I'm Rebecca. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Um, okay, I think I got all the pictures I wanted to show you guys. Look how prepared you are. I know. Well, I want to get your opinion on, on some of them. My professional opinion? Yes, you did. I want to see what you guys think. Okay. All right. Okay. So when I actually wrote this, I was, I did like a whole intro being like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like that this is not going to be a long one. It's going to be quick because like, I didn't have a lot of free time because work's been a little crazier. It's nine pages. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Buckle up, ladies. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So let's see, where do I cut out and start? Okay, yeah. So I feel like this is a pretty well-known story. And even if you guys maybe don't know it off the top of your head, there's like a pretty big part of the story that like every time I think I don't know and I hear that part, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember now. So I think that, yeah, I feel like you guys probably know it. Um, So I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Tara Calico. Mm, I don't wait. Is that making a murder? Oh, is I think she, her name was Tara too. Is she the one that was like riding a bike or something? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Never ride a bike. Never ride a bike. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially down a busy, busy road. Oh geez, I'm scared. Okay. So let's get right into it. I'll start at the beginning. Tara was 19 years old she was an honor student and had been attending the university of new mexico she wanted to become a psychiatrist so she could help people overcome their problems and in order to help pay for her education she began to work at a local bank Um, tara was also described by her mother as a naturally like bubbly teenager um, and she was really popular Um, so upon hearing all this like thinking of you guys in college like of course Tara probably had a very full plate like that that's enough for me to be overwhelmed because I don't think I I worked during the summers I didn't work during college um so because she was so busy she literally scheduled out her day at the beginning of every day wow (laughs) yeah yeah so she had a lot going for her um although Tara was swamped with school and other responsibilities that came with growing up she still made time for her routine bike rides with her mom. Every morning, Tara and her mom would bike 36 miles. <laughs> 36 miles. Excuse me. When I drive 36 miles, I'm like, can this be over? Do you know what I do with my bike? It sits in the garage. And when my dog poops in the garage and I'm, there's no garbage can, I put the poop bags in the basket. Oh my God. <laughs> That's how much use my bike gets. <laughs> and then like once a week, I'll empty it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Remember good. when it was sitting on our front porch and every so often you would hear someone go up to it and just ring the bell? Honk the horn, the clown horn. Oh, was it honk the horn? Yeah. yeah. That was so creepy. You were like, are you honking the horn? I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not home. <laughs> so scary. Anyways, 36 miles. Yes, 36 miles along New Mexico State Road 47. I literally can barely get out of bed at like 8.30 a.m., but yeah, okay. 
Anyway, on the morning of September 20th, 1988, Tara's mother, Patty, decided she didn't want to go on the ride with Tara that day. Patty had stopped riding with Tara as often because she began to feel uneasy about the ride. Sometimes they had been catcalls, but Patty genuinely felt like they, that she was being stalked when she would ride her bike by like a motorist. Yeah. Oh man. Although Patty didn't like her daughter continuing to go on the bike rides, she really couldn't keep Tara from like going on them if she wanted to. She encouraged Tara to bring pepper spray, but Tara thought her mom was being like a little dramatic and played it off and decided not to bring it. Yeah. So that morning after writing down her schedule for the day, Tara got dressed and grabbed her Walkman for the ride. What year was this? 1988. Um, When Tara got to the garage, her mom was already there. Um, Tara's bike ended up having a flat tire, so she ended up borrowing her mom's neon pink one instead. There's like pictures of this bike. It's so cute. It's just like a neon. Yeah, it's cute. Um, Before she took off on her ride, Tara asked her mother to come find her if she wasn't back by noon. She had a tennis date with her boyfriend planned for 1230, as well as a class to attend at four. Tara left her house at 930 that morning for what we assume now was her last bike ride. Wait, she had a tennis date? Yeah, with her boyfriend. Break up with him. (laughs) Is that what people did on dates in in the 1980s? They went to go play tennis together? Or maybe she's just very athletic and I just can't relate. I mean, I very well could see people in the 80s playing a lot of tennis. (laughs) I just can't imagine going for a 36-mile bike ride and then having the energy to play tennis. Like, tennis is a lot. Right, like waking up early to go on this bike ride. And then, and doing then she had to go to class. class. Yeah. Pay attention. Good yeah. night. No idea. Like maybe Good I had that her. energy when I was 10. Yeah. Not at my age. God, we talk did. like we talk like we're like 70 years old. I mean. <laughs> so funny. If you round up. <laughs> um, so Patty continued on. I said Patty. I wrote Patty's mother. It's Tara's mom, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> the grandma. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. So Tara's mom continued on with her morning, but paid attention to the clock. At noon, she was anticipating the hustle and bustle of Tara running through the door, but it never came. After about five minutes, Patty decided she'd waited long enough and went out looking for Tara. And I just want to note that, like, I know that might seem like maybe an overreaction or um, she should have waited a little bit longer to like you guys or anyone else who's listening. But if her mom was already feeling like she was being stalked on that road, like yeah, she was probably already worried enough. So and you yeah. said she was like super like like schedule oriented, right. right? So like yeah, one little difference, I, like I feel like right. would send off like red flags to the mom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um. So she she left. She began searching for her after reaching the end of her typical bike route and not seeing any sign of Tara Patty called Tara's boyfriend to check if she ended up at their tennis date without stopping home when her boyfriend said she never showed up they both knew something wasn't right after Patty hung up with her boyfriend she called the police as as officers arrived at the house Patty urgently explained the situation to them 
Um, despite a distraught Patty basically begging for help, officer said that since Tara was an adult, she can basically leave of her own free will. Like she's allowed oh. to like disappear if she wants to. Yeah. I hate that rule that cops like say that and like we have to wait 24 hours or right. whatever. So right. Just go do a drop, like do a lap. Right. Do like, something. What else are you doing? Are you yeah. really that busy? <laughs> no, I can answer that question. <laughs> um but we'll save that for another day. <laughs> on next week's podcast (laughs) um so they initially did say this but then they went and took a look around patty's they went and took a look around tara's room and found that her purse and textbooks for her class that afternoon were still there so they started to think more like this yes she never came home yeah right um as of like 4 p.m. came and went without any sign of Tara, officers then definitely started to believe that she was in danger. The next morning after Tara had been missing for almost 24 hours, investigators and volunteers, including Tara's family, began to search the 36 miles on foot. Wow. The group scanned both sides of the highway since they didn't really know which way she was going when she disappeared. While scanning the area, Patty came across a bad sign that something sinister had happened to Tara. She spotted the cassette tape Tara had been listening to shattered in the middle of the road. And a few miles north from this spot, they found Tara's destroyed Walkman. Dean happened to know what cassette it was. Boston. Really? Yeah, someone wrote it was a Boston cassette. (laughs) Um. The area surrounding where the Walkman was found was grim. They found bike tracks, but not only that, a set of tire tracks as well. It was obvious to everyone at this point that Tara had been kidnapped and her belongings were strewn everywhere and destroyed either in or after the struggle. Patty believed that Tara purposely tossed her belongings to leave a trail behind. Oh, that's Mm. smart. Yeah. So upon realizing that Tara had definitely been kidnapped police started interviewing those closest to her tara was living with patty and her stepfather john who she had really close relationships with and talked to daily they also interviewed her boyfriend her friends other family co-workers everyone she was in contact with but they couldn't find anyone with a reason to hurt her police quickly concluded that no one in tara's life seemed to have any issues with her and it was unlikely that her kidnapper or kidnappers were close to her Tara's parents and her boyfriend also had alibis and were quickly cleared of any wrongdoing. Hmm. Patty was open about the uneasiness she felt about bike riding and told the officers that she had the feeling of being stalked uh, when they would go on their rides. Police set up roadblocks on the road and showed drivers Tara's photo and information showed drivers Tara's photo and informed them of her abduction. (laughs) Several motorists saw Tara riding her bike and several even saw a light colored pickup truck with a camper shell following her. You guys know what that one is, right? Like a camper shell? Yeah. Yeah. Creepy. I don't like it. Yeah, but what's crazy to me in this whole thing is it's like the middle of the day, right? And so many people saw her being followed no one actually saw her get kidnapped that's insane that is nuts right and like it's a highway right and like it's lunchtime it's not like it's like 
bright on early on in the morning on like a weekend or like I don't or know. when where where they saw the tire tracks did you say it was like off the road a little bit or was it like right on the side they said it was like off and on the okay. road yeah maybe it, like the car was like trying to hit her yeah. or something and oh. yeah yeah that's that's even crazier that like this car is pulling over attempting to kidnap someone and no one even remembers seeing a car pull over like when I'm driving like on highways and even if if a car is already pulled over on the side like I have a picture of it in my mind oh yeah I take a mental note now I'll like it'll be like okay it's 10 3 p.m there's a vehicle on the side of the road (laughs) right (laughs) I'll make like a mental note (laughs) it's crazy though because you never know what's going on I when I was driving the other day I saw somebody getting out of the car and like walking away yelling I guess they were like in a fight or something while the car was like Uh trying to like get the person to get back in the car oh god no like we always notice stuff like that like it's ever since fishy Sarah talked about the alphabet murders with the car yeah Mm. all those people actually saw yeah that little girl being taken and no one did anything yeah ever since then I was like I mean I already did it but now like ever since that story I think about it every time I drive past the car I'm like I need to make a mental note of where yeah. I am yeah <laughs> yeah oh, oh I hate that a good point oh it's depressing wait what state was this in New Mexico New Mexico yeah I don't think we've done a New Mexico case we should do we should have like a map and try to do the whole oh, world yeah. we'll do it the whole world yeah yeah, yeah. world yeah the whole wow you heard it here first damn it that means i have to stop doing new jersey things <laughs> i'm gonna start it's writing down state. where we've done everything it's a small state <laughs> with a big heart <laughs> with a lot with of a lot crime. of creeps yeah <laughs> with a lot of shit yeah oh it's a sock man <laughs> one day i'll do that episode that'll be a good day that'll a mini be episode season two a mini, yeah a mini episode yeah <laughs> I feel like okay. the sock man would be perfect for a mini episode. That's like, yeah, that is a good one. Um, okay. For several months, police and volunteers searched the roads and surrounding desert for any clues related to Tara's disappearance to no avail, which like, I don't even think about when I was first writing this, like they're in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Like, where can you really look? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I know um, nothing about New Mexico. <laughs> it's a desert. <laughs> but wouldn't that be like less hard to like hide things and you know I think it's like hard to like track where you're going and where you've been like you could probably like walk in circles easily because it's just dust right like it Mm -hmm. blows around I don't know yeah and I guess if it's like hot and there is like a body or any evidence like it kind of uh, deteriorates it pretty fast I would think I don't like it Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. okay so Tara's case quickly became huge news for the state. A beautiful young woman with a successful life lined up, cut short, and shrouded in mystery. The case itself, however, pretty much remained stagnant until June the following year. On June 15, 1989, nine months after Tara's disappearance, a woman pulled up to a convenience store. She was a regular shopper there, and the store was located in Port St. Joe, Florida. While heading into the store, she noticed a beat-up white Toyota van parked out front. It stuck out to her because being a local and a regular to the store, she didn't recognize the car. 
When she left the store, she saw the van had left. However, there was something left in the space it had been occupying. Upon further inspection, the woman found that it was a Polaroid. (laughs) Of what? I look like Kevin from Home Alone when he puts the aftershave (laughs) on his face. The stunned silence. (laughs) Nothing's Um, creepier than a picture just left somewhere. Right. Right. Wait till you see what's on the picture. I'm going to show you. So the woman picked up the photo to look at it and her heart just sunk. The Polaroid featured two people, a boy and a young woman gagged with duct tape and bound in what looked like the back of a van, which very well could have been the van that she saw. It looks similar. The photo itself is haunting. Like I can like, it's like burned in my mind. Like I... They're, they're literally staring into the camera and you can tell they're like begging for help. She immediately called the police who she told all about the van in detail. She was also able to give a general description of the man too, saying he was in his thirties and had a mustache. So they didn't, I mean, it's the eighties. Like there's narrow a, it down. No. To <laughs> no. So, oh, where did I... Okay, sorry, I just wanted to see because I wrote a note in here of when to show it to you. Okay, the photo caught the attention of local media and soon garnered enough traction to where it was in the national news. Obviously, true crime sleuths like us were speculating on who could possibly be in the photo at that time, like who made sense, like who could it be? One grief-stricken family was convinced that the boy in the photo was their son, Michael Henley. Just like Tara, Nine-year-old Michael Henley had disappeared in New Mexico. He went camping with his father and a family friend in April of 1988, but disappeared within 20 minutes of their arrival. I remember this now. Yeah. And crazy. Yeah. Searches for Michael turned up nothing. So when Michael's family saw the the Polaroid two months later, they thought it was their first sign of hope. When people believed that Tara and Michael could have been abducted and held by the same people, the news coverage intensified in New Mexico. But like a little boy and a young woman, like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Doesn't fit the victim type. Well, I feel like it makes it worse. Like they're just like in a catalog of people, like no one's safe, right? There's right. no like, like strategy really behind why they're doing it. Yeah. Right. They're just like, like nobody's people. safe. Yeah. yeah. Hold on one second. My parents are texting me. Um, I'm what recording a podcast. I'll meet you there. <laughs> Where are you guys going? Uh, my cousin, Grace, who's my age, she just had her baby today, and my family's oh. going to a bar to grab a drink to celebrate, so I'm just oh. going to go when we're done. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah. Fun. Congrats. Um, oh. Okay, so the month after the Polaroid was found, Patty saw it in one of the local news reports, like, which I thought was interesting that nobody really asked, like, questioned her, or, like, asked, yeah. like, this is her. Yeah. She saw her the first time in the news. Yeah, especially since they connected that boy to New Mexico, wouldn't like New Mexico police be like, oh yeah, there's this girl yeah, makes sense. missing. Let me yeah. show this to her mother. The fact yeah. that she had to find out through the news Ugh, a month later terrible. is disgusting. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Um, she immediately called the police, like, hysterical, because she really believed it was her daughter. She said the girl in the photo looked exactly like Tara and even has a similar scar on the back of her leg. She also said that the book seen next to Tara called My Sweet Audrina was one of her favorite books. In... <laughs> Investigators examined the, the photo for any clues about the case. The film wasn't available until May 1989, so they knew that the photo was taken pretty recently. Okay, so after she, after she had been abducted, like yeah, so a she while was, after, right? And then she so she was abducted like September 1988, and then this photo was found June 1989, and they said the Polaroid itself wasn't available until that previous month in May. Gotcha. Um, so they knew that the photo was obviously taken pretty recently, and so that's kind of good that like back then you could really date it, yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. Um, on the side of the book next to the girl, a phone number was somewhat visible. They were only able to make out a few numbers, but they put together 300 possible phone numbers. As a result, 57 of them were actually registered. Wow. And that's, that's pretty cool. Isn't that that's cool? easy. Make 57 phone calls. Yeah. I'll yeah. help. I'll help. Right. So that was pretty cool. And like, honestly, it bothered me because I couldn't find anything like where that led to. Yeah it must have just been a dead end yeah like who's what was was it like it was written on something in the picture yeah so there's a book in the picture I'm gonna show it to you now actually I can show you let's see and I'm good on the person who put all those phone numbers together though that was pretty right okay can you see my screen oh I have seen this picture yeah yeah so they said that this looks like Tara um I think it's like I can't see the the scar that they're talking about I think it's supposed maybe to be, like I think it's supposed I to draw? be here that's yeah, where I pointed uh, yeah. To. that's where I was going to circle yeah so and she had a scar like that she yeah her mom said she did have a scar like that and then she said that this was her favorite book so and, and you can tell it's a white man. Mm-hmm. So this is the little boy in the back. Can I like, I guess I can't clear that. <laughs> um, and then this is like a photo comparing the two of them. That's so her. And then I was like, I don't. So to me, I can't tell because, you know, like she's obviously a very pretty girl, but she obviously also looks like a lot of other girls. So it's hard to yeah. tell like when half her face is covered. I feel like, I, look, like the hair texture and like, obviously I, she looks a little skinnier in the Polaroid. Like I'm sure they're not feeding her and yeah. as well. And also at the same time, like you show a picture to a mom, she's going to know that that's her kid. Yeah. Or not. yeah. Yeah. So that's what I said too. I was like, you know. I like there's like certain mannerisms that like my parents would know and recognize immediately if they couldn't yeah. see me like they're gonna see my face they can only see like part of my body or something like they pick up on that so like I was thinking that too and then I was also thinking when you're in that horrible of a place and you just like want to you're desperate for like hope yeah you're gonna believe whatever possibility you can believe in mm. and I would certainly do the same thing. So like, I don't know, it, it really could be either way. And then I saw 
this one and that's what I noticed I don't know if you guys oh, noticed that her eyebrows. eyebrows are very seem very different yeah she has more of like an arch whereas the girl in the photo has like a straight and flat eyebrow I do think that the girl in the Polaroid might look a little younger too right like it's very possible that like maybe this girl was babysitting this kid and they got kidnapped or their brother and sister like I don't know but um and then Mm -hmm. I can show you Michael too so this is Michael and then this is him next to the picture like to me that looks so much like him but still it's so hard to tell yeah I'm like I don't know I feel like it's harder to tell a little kid from an adult also yeah right and they said that in the picture they say that this is a little boy but to me like this child is so young that they could really be a boy or a girl to me Mm. yeah you can't really see the hair right yeah and then this is the book that they saw a phone number on I don't that is crazy right okay I can't believe that photo was just like left there yeah how creepy is that you think it was on purpose I don't know I I don't I feel like it wouldn't be on purpose if someone's trying to get away with it also why would you take pictures oh no idea but there's more if you're if you're a criminal why yeah like let me get proof yeah um okay so you've seen the photos now we'll get back into it local officers reached out to the police in port st joe and urged them for any help they could get they told that those cops that during their initial investigation about like surrounding this photo that a group of witnesses saw the girl with a group of men who had been ordering her around and she obeyed whatever they were saying however there wasn't a boy seen with them Um, and nothing ended up coming out of that lead either a few months after the one-year anniversary of tara's disappearance there was a devastating news michael henley's remains had been found investigators concluded that michael had wandered off from his campsite and got lost when he died of exposure shortly after he vanished on his camp i mean it's terrible but i at least it wasn't like at the hands of someone else you know Mm -hmm. right right and it's it's sad too because like reading about his disappearance was like they had people out there searching and he was literally right there they just couldn't find him yeah that's that's like mind-blowing the fact that he was only gone for 20 minutes and they still couldn't find him right yeah like heartbreaking he must have been maybe he was like stuck somewhere yeah i don't know um so since the photo could not have been taken before May 1989, the boy in this image couldn't have been Michael. Yeah. Though there was still hope that the girl in the image was Tara, there were no further developments in the case. Patty was still fully convinced that the girl in the picture was Tara, although multiple organizations had come to several different conclusions once they investigated the photo. Scotland Yard analyzed it and concluded that it was definitely Tara but also the Los Alamos National Laboratory disagreed and said it was not her. 
the FBI analysis of the photo was inconclusive. So like mm. nobody knows if it's her yeah. or not. <laughs> Two more Polaroid photos surfaced over the years. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Possibly linking to Tara. One was found in Montecito, California and was a blurry photo of a girl's face with tape over her mouth and a light blue striped fabric behind her, which was similar to the pillow fabric in the background of this photo that I just showed you. And like, if you want to go look that up, you can, but it is pretty similar. I, I did look. Yeah. But in that one, I can't really tell if the girls are the same because it's so blurry. Um, this film it was taken on wasn't available until June 1989. So if these pictures were taken that close together, like they very well could have been from like the same group of Polaroids. Yeah. The second image showed a woman loosely bound in gauze with her eyes covered and large glasses. She was pictured next to a male passenger on a train. The film used for this photograph was not available until February 1990. Patty's family has never ruled out these pictures being Tara. Hmm. And that second one, to me, I wonder if it's like up, like if I actually have to Google it again. Oh, it's literally right here. It like... The second one makes me physically uncomfortable, but it looks like it's a gag. Like it looks like someone just like was joking Means, around. I'll yeah. show you. See. Oh yeah. Like the guys making because it's like a, a public train, like it's public transportation. Right. It, like he's making goofy, goofy face, and like she's not in this get up very tightly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, but it looks the other like one, toilet this, paper. Yeah. Right. This was the other one. The girl to the right that one's real that's yeah. scary yeah so both of those polaroids were just like found right yeah just in other places and they're like oh it could be her were they like in florida or new mexico or one something? was found in california near like a, a construction site and i for, i don't think it said where the other one was found i didn't put it in here and i don't remember i don't know because like if the Polaroid, the first Polaroid, like, made, like, news and, like, national attention. Do you think, like, someone would try to, like, leave Polaroids and try to, like, throw off the investigation? Because finding one Polaroid is, like, okay, like, a mistake, but then, like, if other ones are being found other places, like, I don't know, it's, like, kind of sketchy. I did read about other ones, and I wasn't sure how accurate this was, so I, like, didn't put it in there, and to me, like, didn't didn't really seem like too important to the story but I did read that like there were other Polaroids that were like physically sent to the police and like they kind of they kind of concluded that it didn't have anything to do with Tara but the person sending them wanted them to think it did to like throw them off I hate that so much yeah yeah so I didn't I didn't put that in here because I was like that's yeah (laughs) um So for 20 years, the case pretty much remained at a standstill. New developments were rare. In 1998, 10 years after Tara's disappearance, her family had had her legally declared dead. Mm. Patty passed away in Florida in 2006 after medical issues related to a series of strokes. She passed fully convinced that the girl in the original Polaroid was Tara. Her son said that the loss of Tara contributed to her death saying that police would send her photos of every possible victim that could have been Tara, including bodies and, like, bodies that had been dismembered. Oh, yeah. 
that's like so hard to see when it's not your daughter but then thinking that it possibly could be I watched this documentary um about a little boy who went missing and the mom was like a little like kooky so the police didn't really like take her serious and then it turned out to be this big like child abduction trafficking ring thing and they literally made her sit through and look through like they found this like database of like child porn and they literally made her look through all of it to see if any of it was her son yeah and then she saw one that looked like him they're like no it's not him she's like that like why am i why am i making me doing it like right like if i if you guys could have done this for me why am i doing it yeah terrible yeah it's traumatizing yeah i couldn't imagine and like her stepfather also said like I guess the mom like struggled with her obviously struggled with her mental health after all this but she would like see a girl riding her bike and she would write down Tara's name and he, and he would say no it's not her it's not her I'm like, oh. oh that's really sad yeah in 2008 the lead investigator on the case at this part okay so I put this in here because I didn't see it like I didn't see this in Wikipedia and I feel like it would have been <laughs> if it was real it if would it be in real, Wikipedia I feel like <laughs> I don't know like it just feels so weird to have it I'll read it and like if you think this is sketchy and you want to cut it out you can no we're keeping it in okay so just take it with a grain of salt is all I'm saying because okay I got this I read about like on a few different sites but they weren't like it wasn't like Wikipedia or like people like it was yeah. just like blogs and random other stuff. Yeah. even yeah. though Wikipedia is also barely credible sometimes oh yeah oh yeah I don't Absolutely. know I that's like bible to me it, it, um, there, there are people that literally just go on Wikipedia pages and edit that for fun I know how I'm spending my careful. weekend <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like enough with people <laughs> which which Wikipedia pages are you gonna hit up this week <laughs> Scott Peterson <laughs> I was about to say Spider-Man. <laughs> um, okay. So, in 2008, the lead investigator on the case, Rene Rivera, publicly stated that he believed he knows what happened to Tara. He said he believed that teenagers who were known to Tara were following her and drove up behind her when an accident followed. Tara ended up dying in the accident and those involved covered up the crime, burying her body and disposing of her bike. He also believed that the teenager's families helped to cover up the crime. Though he admitted to somehow knowing all of this, he said he could not make an arrest or reveal who they were without a body. Okay, this man's bananas. No. Yeah, so this, this part did happen. It's the next part, the story following, that I take with a grain of salt. Okay um wait but that first part was also fucking ridiculous exactly like, was, no, was there an accident reported was there a report well, no because if they're trying to cover it so but, like, they're they're cover up. but then also like people would have fucking seen a car accident on the side of the road it, like people rubberneck for a reason yeah i'll give you answers in a second okay <laughs> take already. a deep breath rebecca deep okay. Breath. Okay. <laughs> okay. um so Tara's stepfather was obviously pissed. Like this was after Patty passed away. He was obviously angry and was like, why would he even make a comment about this or even yeah. come up with a story if he couldn't do anything about it or tell me who it was? He Rivera ended up leaving office in 2011 after making no arrests. So this next part, I feel like might be 
accurate. And it sounds like it's more of like a small town, well-known thing that's covered. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like maybe like obviously the internet doesn't know everything, but it, you know, I think it's yeah. a small town fact of what's going on. So shockingly, a deathbed confession in 2013 would later corroborate this story. A terminally ill man named Henry Brown reached out to investigators to tell them he knew what happened to Tara and who was responsible. Henry stated that while he was hanging out with his friend, Lawrence Romero Jr. at his home and his friend Dave Silva, he was struck with like an odd, like creepy feeling. He glanced over at what appeared to be a body wrapped in a tarp in his friend's basement. (laughs) Casual. Yeah. So when Henry questioned him about it, Lawrence explained that it was Tara Calico and went into a whole story about what happened. The thing, okay, like obviously, okay, I could, it could happen. Like people are terrible, but it's just weird that like there was no articles or any like thing about that when the investigation was like active and when they thought she was like abducted and stuff right and then just all these years later that's crazy to me that like oh yeah well it was just some kids who covered it up oh there's a big plot twist coming oh no (laughs) this happened in the middle of the day this happened in the middle of the day on a highway like (laughs) weird things have happened man (laughs) (laughs) so according to lawrence him dave oh did i mm-hmm. oh, okay no okay never mind i thought i got a name wrong so according to lawrence him dave leroy chavez and another boy described as a tall redhead were following tara in a truck while she was on her bike route they hit her with the truck knocking her from her bike It was at this point that the boys ran out of the vehicle and pulled her inside. They drove to a gravel pit and ordered Tara to step out of the car where she was then raped by each boy. Tara told them that she would report them to the police and they'd go to jail for what they did to her. It was at this point that Lawrence became enraged and told the others to hold her down and he stabbed her to death. The group hid her body in a bush until the searches began and then moved her into the basement. Henry claimed that the men threatened to kill him if he went to the police, which is why he waited to make his confession. Are you ready for the plot twist? Yeah. Oh my God, there's more. Okay. Additionally, Henry claimed Lawrence's father helped cover up the crime. Who is his father, you're probably asking? Well, it was none other than Renee Renee. Rivera, the lead investigator on the case. (laughs) Oh my god, what just happened to my computer? It's, it melted Sorry. down from that plot twist. <laughs> it, it literally did, I swear to god. Uh, everything's frozen, but I can still hear you. You're like, anyway. we can still see you. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. I believe it. Oh, that's the thing, like, I would totally believe that, because it's all the questions, Rebecca, you were just asking, like, yeah. how did they get away with something, like, this was the middle of the day, like, they were investigating, like, yeah. I, there were so many leads, this is why. That fits into the profile of both cop and man, so <laughs> I, I can believe that. Yeah, that's bad. Yep, yep. So Henry went oh. on to say that Tara's body was eventually moved to a pond 
near one of the men's houses while her bike was dumped in a junkyard. Neither have ever been found. All of the men involved in her death passed away prior to his confession. Why would the cop come out and say, oh yeah, Dude, a bunch of kids. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe he's like, I feel like I need to like give them some closure. And then you just, that didn't help. Like that. And you that. don't accidentally rape and kill someone. No, no, no. Um, it should also be noted that while nothing had ever seemed to come from this claim, yeah. that Renee was arrested and charged with domestic violence in 2017. It just gets thicker and thicker, <laughs> doesn't it? Mm. Um, so this next part is what, like, and that whole story, I was like, this is a little weird. But this next part kind of, like, makes sense to me. Like, a documentary crew went to film about the case. And they felt like the community as a whole was hiding something and that they had been threatened. Yeah. And they didn't really get anywhere. Yeah. I mean, look at, I, I already brought it up once in this episode, but like <laughs> the making a murderer, it was the, co- the small town, the cops hated him and all twice he was, I mean, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty, but you know, they the police in these little towns have all the power and oh yeah oh, mm-hmm. so put that in charge not me you I weren't even rebecca. a mere thought yet <laughs> i put rebecca I, in charge thanks i would do so much better than that <laughs> clearly <laughs> all men would be in prison <laughs> literally <laughs> we don't even need them yeah. i can't i can't um, who died and put you in charge like seriously why do you know what? I can't. I will go off on a tangent. <laughs> I will not. Um, so in 2019, the FBI offered a $20,000 reward for precise details that would lead to the location of Tara Calico or any information that could result in an arrest, but nothing's come of it yet. In September 2021, police stated that they have a new lead in the case and a warrant had been issued for a resident in Valencia County, but nothing further was provided i wonder if it was that basement that's what i was thinking too Mm -hmm. i'm curious i know um both tara's biological parents have passed but her stepfather remains in florida her sister michelle and a high school friend of hers melissa started their own podcast (gasps) investigating tara's disappearance called banish the tara calico investigation i'm gonna listen to it i think that's yeah i think that's where i heard this yeah so you can if you google it i know that it, it comes up pretty easily but the last thing i said saw it said they're moving to patreon so i don't know mm. how updated it is i didn't see what year um so it's been 33 years since tara calico disappeared <sighs> from her bike her bike ride in new mexico and it seems no substantial leads have ever resulted in answers no one in the polaroids has ever been identified if tara is still alive she would be 53 years old the last time she was seen, she was wearing a white t-shirt with First National Bank of Bellin, B-E-L-E-N, on it. And it was a size medium. She was wearing white shorts with green stripes, white ankle socks, and white and turquoise tennis shoes. She was also wearing a butterfly ring with a diamond, a gold amethyst ring, and half-inch gold hoop earrings. I know like we don't reach too many people, but I wanted to give all that information in case anyone one yeah, day you like, never know. realizes they saw mm-hmm. something you know um 
And if you think you did, please contact your local FBI office. Yeah. But that is so scary. That's That's the disappearance of Tara Calico. That was good. Mm, So sad. I hope it wasn't those kids. That's just so stupid. Oh, I hope it's not like one of those things where it's just like a little well-known secret in the town like yeah. that, that happened and that poor family just has to like know that and deal with that yeah well going back a couple episodes we that um girl scout murder that guy who had escaped prison like his community was hiding him for four years yeah <laughs> like he was in jail for terrible crimes and they're just like, well, he's a good guy, so we'll help him out. <laughs> he's a good guy. He just assaulted these other women. Pregnant and women tied into a tree. Possibly killed children, but yeah. besides that, he has a lot going for him. Yeah. Good people don't do that shit. Hello, no. let's wake yeah. up, please. I don't no. care if it's your family member, your friend, like an acquaintance. I tell my family community. all the time, you do something stupid, I'm, well, one, I'm using it on my podcast, and two, I'm running you down. <laughs> yeah it's my mom would turn me in so fast yeah <laughs> she'd be like absolutely not we're going like the i mean obviously in the news there's been the um brian laundry's family released his like suicide note Mm-mm-mm. they <laughs> definitely definitely knew i mean he says he went back after he killed her to spend what time he had left with his family there's mm-hmm. no way he did not tell them there's no way they did not know i wonder if they're getting charge for like obstruction of justice they they definitely need to be they should i think they don't have any actual proof that they knew like how do you prove that it's just like there's no way that he showed up back at home like i was literally talking to my mom about this the other day she's like ali there's no way that if you were on a trip with george and he just showed up back at home that his parents wouldn't be like where's ali and his parents went back to get the van it's my, like how are they getting away with I don't know I just I don't believe it for a second I feel like there's a couple anything. times in that note he was like don't be too harsh on my family and they were like put that in again put yeah in. yeah can you reiterate yeah. that a couple times yeah bitch yeah. I will crucify your family okay yeah. like well, we it's... know <laughs> I when just... Rebecca's in charge watch out <laughs> laundry's she's coming for you yeah I just I don't understand how people can protect monsters. Yeah. I don't care no. your relationship with them at all. Like, I mean, you can tell how sick he was in that, in the letter by just note, like him not it, writing on the lines. Oh yeah. Writing that was in, like creeping me out. <laughs> creepy. Making up his own lines. Like you could tell he was smart, but delusional at the same yes. time because he was trying so hard to be a victim in that note. Yeah. And it made me so mad because the only person that's a victim here is Gabby. And I cannot believe that he had the audacity to like have that tone in what he wrote. I really want her family to come out with like the autopsy report and see if there were like oh, yeah. what, corroborating. Yeah. Or corroborating yeah. Uh, like injuries. Like he said, her ankle hurt. She had a bump on her head. Like, cause they did say it was strangulation that she died from. But he like, could have beat her up have, yeah yeah did like she ha- did she have the other i don't know i don't believe it for one no, second no, you're so telling sketchy. me that your girlfriend who you've been with forever fell hurt herself really bad 
And you wanted to end her suffering, so you killed her? Yeah, and you're right by your van. Like, take her to the van. Leave her there. You had a fire going. He said he made a fire. Go to the van, get the phone. Mm. Why didn't you have your phone on you? What? The only solution is to kill her? That's the only solution. She was saying, help me. And he's like, okay. She's like, I know how to help you. Yeah. No, I don't believe it. I hate people. I hate people. are so evil. It's so scary to think about sometimes. You just never know. No. Um, Well, anywho. Great job, Allie. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Guys, thanks. All right. Goodbye. All right, are we should we say are we taking a break? Or are we gonna oh, yes. summer? Do we want to do yeah? Because you're moving, like there's got a lot. I think we should. So okay. we're gonna take a small hiatus for the rest of the summer, and we'll be back in September for yeah. season two. Season two, season two of sock man, the <laughs> New Jersey <laughs> devil. You heard it here first. Yeah. This is sock man. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Resources for this episode include fbi.gov, wikipedia.com, medium.com, and people magazine. Desk chair.